It's good to see our visitors. <clears throat> you just met probably one of the most important people of my life. As he said, some 40 years of friendship, co-ministries. And sure, we bat each other over the head on, on uh, doctrine. But that's OK. We're going to go to the same God. <laughs> it's good to see Doug from the other half of our church, <laughs> the early morning service, and the first preacher in this building. Isn't that right? Yeah. And to see my uh, son adopted, Steve, and uh, all the folks that I love so much. If I were to sit here and name them all, I, I would waste my time for my sermon. I've reached the time in my life <coughs> when uh, problems bother me. How many... Are you bothered by your problems? Problems. The old country guy said, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Of course, luck does not enter into the Christian philosophy. And uh, I'm telling you, as my sermon title tonight would be, the storms of life. The storms of life. They come and they go and they come and they go. How you face them is just as important as how God gives you the victory over them. And so without saying any ado, we said this evening, two things that rang, rang out in my mind. The, the battle belongs to the Lord. No matter how big or how small, the battle belongs to the Lord. We all have battles of relationship. And we all have battles of connecting with each other with different uh, philosophies, different backgrounds, different cultures. But still, God is overall. He reigns and he rules on planet Earth. And even with all the stuff that's going on outside the walls of this church and God's house of prayer, we have without a doubt, the promise from God to have the victory. For faith is the victory through all kinds of storms that come through our life. And I know that we have had lots of bad times and the, the calling of home to our beloved Chris and to the lovely memories I've had with him. But I don't know. Uh, how much longer I've got, or anybody else. God chooses the timing, right? And so whether you're sick or you're well or you're uh, living on substances like uh, iodine or thyroid or whatever have you, that's a couple of mine, God is the victory. Everybody 
and I'm going to give you this opening thought before I pray. Everybody says, why is this happening to me? <laughs> why am I in so much trouble? And before I surrendered to the Lord, I was just like any other guy, you know, I was a scoundrel. But the Lord picked me up by the back of my neck and stood me up and saved my heart and soul. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and mercy. And may you, O oh Lord, bless the words that you have written that I may speak. And may he, the Holy Spirit, rule and reign in this service and the fellowship to follow. And for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I chose from my scripture, 1 Peter, if you have your Bibles, who in the world would ever go to war without a weapon? <laughs> Whether it's up here or in here or in your phones, you know, they have the Bible in the phone. How do you know that phone is correct? <laughs> this is the thing to watch. And so we'll start here at the 13th verse. Oh, no, 12th verse, I'm sorry. Forgive an old man. Beloved, it says, I want you to pay attention to this. Do not think it's strange concerning, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Right now, we're going through a phase in our news about flying saucers. I said, you know, I saw one many years ago, and it said made in England on the bottom. Flying saucers. Well, why not teacups and spoons? You know, now they have one in the triangle, right, uh, Larry? Like a, a piece of pie, pizza pie. There are things that we cannot explain in life because God is always in control and he doesn't always let us know what's going on or what he thinks. Let's go for another verse. But rejoice. Look at that. He's warning us about trials and he says rejoice. What in the world is that? <laughs> but you know the mark of a true Christian is, and I'll always repeat it as long as I live, not only does the victory belong to the Lord, but Christians have the best tool in the world to fight it. The Holy Spirit. We don't speak of the Holy Spirit often enough in evangelical churches. And if I preach a sermon mentioning the Holy Spirit uh, two or three times, people think I'm a Pentecostal. <laughs> you see. But the Holy Spirit is a most powerful instrument in the human soul that makes you a victorious soldier for Jesus Christ, no matter where you are, no matter what your troubles are. But we oftentimes forget to stop, close our eyes and pray, or keep your eyes open if you're driving. But prayer is the powerful weapon that the Holy Spirit will give you and use you through bad times, Pastor Joe. 
We've had some bad times. When I came back from Alaska, I stepped through the doors, and guess what? We were having a meeting, and some guy quit and took half the congregation with him. What is that? Trouble. Trouble. And we all cried and lamented over the loss of our dear brother, Chris, who passed away not too long ago. And I loved Chris and his family and his the little girls, <laughs> I call them little girls, actually young women, hard to see. <laughs> and I know they're troubling times. And a lot of people think I'm nuttier than a fruitcake and twice as crummy when I told them I have the Lord's calling to go to Florida. I thought it was just an emotional passing and that my uh, <laughs> hormones would calm down, you know what I mean? And so... Uh, when you get my age and you have a smile on your face and you're in bed and it happened earthquake, I always think it's my hormones that have gone astray. <laughs> but it's just tiny troubles, right? Tiny troubles. Some of those quakes are larger if you're living in California. So we're fortunate to be here. But troubles always come our way. You know, Jesus had as much to say about troubles as he did his own salvation gospel. Wherever you go, you're going to have troubles. And they spit on him. And at the last end, they pulled out his beard halfway. They flogged him. They beat him like baseball bats. And so what have I got to complain? I haven't had that yet. The wife comes close to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> She always wins. Trouble <coughs> always comes our way. But you know something? I'd rather know how much you live the Bible than to understand it or remember it. Because it's the gift of God in letters to us. His love story to overcome in the evil days, those things which happens to us. I could sit here and illuminate for several hours of what's going on outside, Brother Amul, and what things are happening in this world, and how things are going this way and that way. But you need not worry. We have what? The Holy Spirit. The guys get up here, and they said and shouted, freedom. Do you know something? That was hollered out by the end of the 12th century. The 12th century after the death of Jesus by William Wallace as Scotland won the victory over England. Not at that point, but at the point where Robert the Bruce came in and smacked the English down and we gained our independence. You are an important person for Jesus Christ. Each one of your hairs are counted. You are literally a fireball for the gospel. Even as we go through life here on the planet Earth, there is no problem in the world that you and the Lord cannot resolve. And I know over there, where our uh, nearly uh, 
a bird colonel <laughs> is facing moving here and there. And that's why I didn't join the uh, uh, government uh, force in Alaska. They wanted me to become a non-commissioned officer. And I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but God will use you wherever you are. You have the biggest opportunity in spite of your troubles. And you too, Lisa. You have victory over sin. But it remains to be seen. Christians' consistency in praying and loving the Lord and gaining the victory not only over their own internal problems. Because let me tell you something, folks. Half of the time when you cry out for help, you created the problems yourself. And the devil just takes over and amplifies them. And so it's important to know the word. And the word will always deem you freedom from sin. And the worst part of troubles, he'll see you through. Remember those three guys? Oh my goodness. I'm sure they weren't fireflies, even though Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was standing before a lousy king who eventually actually said, look in there, you know. Even the guys that took him up to the furnace who singed their clothes. Wow, talk about troubles. <laughs> what if someone came up to you and said, look, if you don't swear to our statue and listen to us and become part of us, could be a Democrat, I don't know. <laughs> we'll throw you into a furnace. Hey, guys, <coughs> I don't know. I know that there's a poem written by Robert Service that said Sam McGee was from Tennessee, and he was so cold that his friend, when he passed away, threw him into a furnace on Lake LaBarge. He cremated Sam McGee. And so he went to see if his ashes were done yet. He opened the furnace and he said, shut it. This is the first time I've been warm since I left Plumtree, Tennessee. They weren't singing that song. It was a cruel decree by a very wicked king. Rejoice when troubles come your way. You say, what in the world are you talking about? The mark of a true Christian in the midst of troubles, listen to this, folks, very important. True Christian will stand in the midst of troubles and say, glory to God in the highest. Because God has given you the power to overcome your troubles, Brother Amon. And Larry, you and I are wheelchair bound almost, but God has given you the victory. And with the help from your wife there, Loretta, you're gaining the victory every day of your life. So why not take something that is guaranteed, as they say in Louisiana, to give you the victory without any interception, without any decree of falsehood. God gives the victory. Do you think this 
85-year-old man has not had a few sour times in his life. <laughs> and he got another thing coming. And you've got to wait for the other side of that. <laughs> Doug is a very dear friend of mine and a pastor of the church here in the early service. But let me tell you something. Early up in life, you know, he had all kinds of problems getting people to come and do things that the Lord should automatically tell them to do, which they don't want to do. And so he had his problems. He, but he was in the midst of all of the things going on in his life. And his dear, lovely wife there is helping him all along like mine does. I don't know what I'd do today without my wife, Nancy. Especially when I'm sort of crippled, you know, uh, <clears throat> to the point where I need a wheelchair here and there. The devil cannot stop my legs. <laughs> the devil cannot stop my faith in Jesus Christ. And if you love him, no matter what your troubles may be, he'll grant you and guarantee you victory over sin in the world. If you sing a hymn in front of a lost person, they think you're nuttier than a fruitcake. But if you sing it in front of a Christian, he'll sing along with you. We are a family in Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful pastor who preaches the undiluted word of Jesus Christ. Enough ammunition for you to win a battle. I've been here since the day the church was open. I think I was here before all of you learned Tagalog. <laughs> That's how long I think I've been here. But you know, I've loved every year of it, folks. I want to tell you, if I could give my heart to you on a platter, I would do it right away. I've learned and loved Pastor Joe since the time he started. And guess what it started in the midst of? What did it start in? Trouble. Look at this guy. You know, there's gray hair. I didn't ever saw that before, you know. Trouble, you know. And look at that. We're here. We have a beautiful place to meet. We have a congregation that he takes good care of. Pastor means a shepherd. And the shepherd keeps a care of his flock that God makes him responsible for. Irregardless of what comes along as trouble. But rejoice, he says, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. You can't compare that to Christ's suffering. Like I just described how they treated him while he was here on earth. What makes you sure that the world is not going to treat you the same? When you step out of your door before you go to work, you're walking in a lost world. 99% of the people out there do not know Jesus Christ. When I used to go to work down here at the Federal Hospital, or VA, I would come out of the elevators and say a short prayer. And the Holy Spirit gave me 
the incentive of saying, this is a mission field. <laughs> and I had to take care of men and women whose half their body is missing. What do you say to that person when they look at you and ask, well, what's going on in my life? I said, well, if you've lost your limbs for saving me, because without our soldiers to protect, to protect our nation, we wouldn't have one. Our nation was founded on principles in spite of what? Did Washington have a smooth ride? No. Washington faced what? Troubles. There's a picture of him hanging in Congress. I have never been there. It shows Washington on his knees. And there are holes in the soles of his shoes. So rich is our heritage in Jesus Christ whether you do or do not believe it, is still in vogue and is still in power and is still able to overcome troubles, no matter what you do, no matter what you say. Oh, why did this happen to me? I'm thinking back, and Nancy remembers it, that my stepdaughter got up during the funeral service of my little... Uh, granddaughter who was only 13 when a truck ran over and excuse me if I tr tr hold back the tears I still remember that day very clearly she got up and shook her fist in the, why did you do this to my daughter why God didn't do that to her daughter it was time for her to go home what does trouble do for us? Besides putting you, that's what I say, if you claim to be a Southern Baptist, you better do one of two things. Put up your dukes for a fight or pucker up for a kiss. The power of the gospel, even when stated as a faith, is powerful. I used to remember when I was a first born preacher. I stood on the corner with a megaphone. You know what a megaphone is, Larry. You speak through it. And I would say the gospel in the corner Saturdays to see if a few folks would come. One day I had a lot of people and this guy must have been 6'6 six, six, and he came forward and he grabbed me by the neck of my shirt. And I wasn't a lightweight in those days. Uh, <coughs> Pastor Joe will tell you how much I weighed. You know. I could pee the polar bear with a switch. <laughs> he picked me up and he had his fist doubled. But, oh, my, I'm covering my microphone. See, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> he said, I don't want to listen to you anymore. I don't want to listen to these preachers that preach uh, the salvation and this and that. I've got enough strength of my own to make it. And he, then he put me down on the ground. <laughs> And I said, thank you, Lord, for sparing me from the wrath of the Norsemen. <laughs> the Norsemen were, of course, raiders of Great Britain in the old days. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a little hysterical information. The last prayer in the common book of prayer 
in the Episcopal Church dating back along with Wallace around 1200. It says, Lord, spare us from the wrath of the Norsemen. <laughs> and so we can't compare whatever we have here with the sufferings of Christ as he had up there on Calvary's tree. What makes you think that you could go through that with nails driven in your wrists and your feet hanging there waiting to push up one last time to take a deep breath? There's no comparison. But you know, even in the midst of all that trouble, the prosecutors that were there, his wife had a bad dream. She said, don't, don't do anything with this man. He's innocent. Sometimes we should listen to our wives. Huh? <laughs> don't compare yourself with Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, that you also be glad with exceeding joy. Notice the word exceeding. If you looked it up in Greek, which I don't know because it's all Greek to me, it means it's amplified glory, amplified feeling of how we should react to trouble. If you are reproached for the name of Christ by standing up to someone and saying, I've got the answer for all your problems. You have a sin-sick heart. I can tell you how to get out of there with the name of Jesus Christ. So if you think what's happening to you is trouble, look on your own doorstep. I used to love to see these people in church who were well-to-do. They said, well, we're going out of town and we're leaving our troubles on the old doorstep. And I said, I'm sorry, when you come back home, they're still waiting there. You won't get rid of troubles that easy. But what it does make easy for you is your faith in Jesus Christ and standing up against what? The fiery darts of the devil. And that's why we are not only interested in it, but we are commanded to put on the whole armor of God. And if you don't do that when you walk out of your house in the morning, you better believe that there's a large crack in your faith armor. Be you doers of the word. And I'm just telling you right now what he says to us in case of trouble. So if you're reprimanded by people on the street that says, I don't believe in Jesus Christ and starts railing on you and calling you by names, don't worry. Jesus is standing right beside you, taking half of the blame that you have and giving you the victory over the world. He has overcome the world. And he'll overcome things in your life that you think are overcomable, not overcomable. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But put on your part, which is his glorification. When you become a child of Christ, 
whether you're a Lutheran or Baptist or any other faith-believing church, you put on your armor of God and your clothes of your Christianity. So, that let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a busybody, and I know a lot of those. Isn't that what a uh, social worker is? <laughs> <laughs> and so, don't be one of those things. Yet, if anyone suffers as Christ or as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory God in the manner of which he's being tested. Testing and trouble brings us closer to Christ. Let me tell you, folks, uh, little by little, I've been eaten away by age. <laughs> and although I am able to function better than most, it's still there. It's still a trouble. And Brother Joe, you know, on a couple of occasions, when I had the wrong medication, I fell on the floor, <laughs> passed out from wrong cardiac medication. <clears throat> I came back, and the second time I did that, I said, well, I better quit and see what's going on. And I did. And thank God he got me better. Jesus Christ is two important instruments in our fight against troubles and Satan himself. He's our shield and our staff. You know the loveliest thing about Psalms 23? He restores my soul. And he's, that's not just for that. It's for everybody that takes their heart to Jesus Christ. He restores you. God is in the restoring process, Brother Joe. He'll restore the most brokenhearted, the most abashed person in life, set him on his two feet, and head him down the path of righteousness. Yet, if anyone suffers in the 16th verse, as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Listen, you know have next door neighbors who have problems. My dear beloved friend here, he came home one day to clean out his furnace and, and the Lord cleaned out his furnace by burning his house down. Down to the ground, Brother Vaughn. All the way down to the ground. They only had time to rescue his lousy parrot and uh, th three husky dogs. <laughs> See, they're laughing. If you told that to an unbeliever, they'd probably, you know, shoot you. But you have something inside of you that's powerful, the Holy Spirit, in restoring you. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. How astute, spiritually speaking, that is. He'll judge us first before he judges the outside world.
So if you're coming to this wonderful church that belongs to him with our lovely Pastor Joe and not doing anything to contribute to it or you don't have, have never taken Christ as your personal Savior, then you're missing the boat and you're still facing all of your problems with nothing in your pockets. Christ restores the soul. Judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins us with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel now? What's going to happen to us? If you're in Christ, nothing. You may have the troubles, but you'll have the wherewithal to pass them through. Although a lot of people, even Christians, don't believe that. And so, I want to end the sermon. That's just the opening, of course. <laughs> As Joe always says. He reminds me so much of when I was his age, preaching the gospel. But I've had it all. The wonderful prayer from, I think it's uh, Numbers, the sixth chapter, and something around the 19th verse or so. God told Moses to say, this is the prayer I want for you, to tell the people of Israel. May the good Lord bless and keep you. May the good Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the good Lord's countenance to follow you and give you his peace. And I give that prayer to you as well. My dear friends, I was talking to my lovely lady friend over there, Sonia, who's been almost around as long as I have and troubled from corner to corner of this world, although I don't know how you can say that when the world is round, but <laughs> of an actress that was in Hollywood. Her name was Tallulah Bankhead. None of you will remember that except my dear friend and maybe you back there. Tallulah Bankhead wasn't extremely popular. She only made about five or six films. But every evening when she ended her TV show, she said, may the good Lord bless you and keep you, whether near or far away. May the good Lord bless and keep you until we meet again, Pastor Joe.